This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. We know uh, how important the home building industry is right now in America. The industry obviously was a vital part in the rebuild from the recession. But what about bringing that mindset to other countries? A pair of Wharton School graduates are doing just that in West Africa. Bob Hornsby and Amit Dillon are graduates in the class of 2000, and they are working in a partnership to bring housing, more housing, I should say, to the African continent. Bob is a chief financial officer of American Home Builders of West Africa. He joins me here in the studio right now. And uh, joining us on the phone is Amit, who is managing director of U.S. Africa Housing Finance, which works with Bob's company on this project. Bob, nice meeting you. Thank you for coming in. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Amit, great having you with us on the phone. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. My uh, my pleasure. Thank you. So I, I guess give us the backstory on how you got started with this. Part of it, it does tie back to your time here at Wharton. But what first, what areas of West Africa are we really looking at? So uh, our business is now in Guinea, uh, Conakry, and we're looking to expand this year into a couple of other countries. But the, this project uh, actually goes back years before my time at business school, my my business partner Jonathan and I were Peace Corps volunteers in Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire, 93 to 95. And it was there that uh, uh, that we, we we first sort of noticed a, a problem in the housing market there. And it was mostly Jonathan that sort of zeroed in on this, that uh, wherever you go in that part of the world, you'll often see houses in varying stages of completion. Yeah. And they never seem to get done. You watch it for a year, watch it for two years, three years. And uh, and they, they, they rarely get finished, or if they do get finished, uh, it's taken so much time that you can just sort of count the material wastage uh, uh, as they go through several, several rainy seasons yeah. uh, before they even get a roof on them. Uh, so uh, Jonathan and I stayed in touch over the years. He went to business school at NCAD and did a business plan related to housing in West Africa. And then we got our heads together uh, and, and sort of ha- had a had a meeting of the minds late 2013, early 2014 about uh, uh, how we would how we would design a, a way to improve this the way houses are built in that part of the world. Uh, and uh, and so that we could deliver something higher quality, faster, uh, and and do it in a production method, uh, so that you get the efficiencies of building neighborhoods, uh, you know, several houses at a time instead of just one-offs uh, here and there, which is the way it's typically done in that and, part of the world. And so, reaching out to a meets organization was part of that process. To, to take those next steps. Right? Well, as as with a lot of uh, uh, business in that part of the world, uh, in in some ways, when you when you decide to to work in sub-Saharan Africa, uh, you 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 are in some ways signing up to build your own infrastructure because a lot of what huh. typically needs to happen for business to work. Uh, doesn't exist there or doesn't exist in the format that that makes it possible to do it the way we do here. You opened the show talking about how important the housing sector has been in the United States. You know, after World War II, the U.S. government created a way to support banks who would lend to homeowners, and that's that's really the beginning of the the housing market explosion here. Go to a place like Sub-Saharan Africa, most places don't even have a functioning mortgage industry. So... Uh, from from the very beginning, we we realized that uh, while we had a good product solution from the housing standpoint and a service solution from uh, in terms of being able to give 
West Africans a, a reliable partner to actually get this work done in a professional manner. What was missing was a financing piece. And uh, when, when, when this, this, this is where you get into that build your own infrastructure, we, yeah. we, we decided that we, nobody else was going to do it, so we needed to do it. Amit was an investor in American Home Builders of West Africa, uh, was keen to, to work with us to, to help find a solution to this. And that's what U.S. Africa Housing Finance grew out of was realizing that uh, particularly for members of the West African diaspora who may be living in Europe or Canada or the U.S. or Australia, um, there's no banks here that are going to lend to them yeah. to build a home in West Africa. And the, and, and, and the industry over there just, just can't support it. Which, yeah. I mean, lay, laying out what uh, what Bob just mentioned, that, that right. tells me that the housing market in this part of the world is significantly needing at this point, not only just in in the buildings themselves, but in the processes that we consider to be traditional in our housing market here in the United States. Absolutely. I think there's an old saying, uh, Dan, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And that's really the case here, where in order for uh, American home builders to succeed, there had to be a, a viable mechanism to um, you know, provide some sort of financing for these houses. And that just didn't exist. It doesn't exist in Africa itself, you know, in, in Guinea or really any other country out there. Uh, and no U.S. bank was going to lend for houses built in West Africa. So we essentially had to build it ourselves, which is why, uh, you know, we created U.S. Africa Housing Finance, which, you know, I, I of course, run now. Well, what is the state of, of the housing market, housing sector in that part of the world right now? Uh, so I'll let Bob comment on the on the housing sector. Yeah. Uh, I, I handle really the, the finance yeah. part of it, and you know, from that perspective, um, I, I think it's fair to say there is no mortgage or home lending market to speak of. Yeah. In, in, uh, certainly in uh, in Guinea, where we operate, uh, and and so as a result, um, you know, they had to work. They, being American homeowners, had to work very hard to you know create the, the housing and the infrastructure and the marketing and all, all, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but it became abundantly clear that they could build the best houses in the world. But if you didn't have some mechanism to finance, because, you know, people obviously don't have 100 uh, percent, you know, uh, cash to pay for the houses, yeah. um, but you weren't going to be able to sell those houses. And and so that's really where, uh, you know, we had to develop U.S. Africa Housing Finance. And, uh, you know, it's essentially at, at its heart, actually not all that complicated a scheme in the sense that, um, you know, it's really taking private uh, equity and or private investor money in, you know, largely here in the United States. And then using that to finance um, houses. I mean, obviously, there's an underwriting process that we have to, to go through to, to make sure we're lending appropriately. Um, and then just taking the proceeds from from those uh, uh, you know, finance contracts that, that we uh, we originate, and then you know, giving those out to uh, to investors. Which gets to the the one of the words I used earlier in the show is trust, right. and, and that ends up Bob being a very important component here. Because as you laid out, there are stories that, that you have written about that I had a chance to take a look at it recently that, as you said, money may be sent to this part of the world to build these homes, yet they're not being completed. They're not being finished off. And that money is going somewhere for some other venture, right. which erodes that trust. That's right. That's right. I mean, there are, uh, you know, by some measures, uh, as much as $25 billion in remittances that go back into West Africa every year from West Africans living outside of West Africa who are, uh, are you know, have left home to kind of earn their fortune abroad. And, yeah. and much of that money is targeted at real estate projects, people 
uh, for, for many people in the diaspora, the one core dream is to be able to go back to your home country, have a nice home to retire to, yeah. and to let your community know – I, I did it. it. It was worth it. Like right. it, I made these sacrifices, but now I've come back. I've invested in my country. I've, I've, I've created something beautiful. I've created wealth. I've created employment opportunities for all the people involved in building this home. Yeah. And we hear stories time and time again of people who have sent money over to a trusted relative or a trusted friend. It could be an uncle. It could be a brother-in-law. Um, and and. and and it almost always ends in heartbreak, either because the person has simply lied to them, has been – over the years will send them pictures and say, the walls are going up, sure. the roof is yeah. going up. They, they, they don't want to travel over there too often because every trip you take to try to supervise construction is that much less money you can invest in, in the house you're trying to build. Sure. So they may wait five years or more, ten years, to go look at a finished product and get there and find nothing. Um, that's that's sort of the worst case scenario, and there are other m- bad case scenarios in the interim because if you can find somebody you can trust with your money, the chances of that person also being expert at clearing title to a piece of land, mm-hmm. at at managing a construction project, managing and supervising uh, subcontractors on a site, th- those are those are all professional skills that require i mean they require a complicated set of uh, uh knowledge and skills that uh, that not everybody has and so yeah. even the people who get something built are often disappointed with the quality and with how long it takes so what what we're doing is essentially taking a production home building process uh and and implementing it there and giving buyers in the diaspora, uh, uh, an entity here in the U.S. that they they can interface with. They can contact us anytime they want. Uh, They can see daily pictures from the from the construction side through our project management uh, tool that uh, that our our guys in the field use to 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 keep the clients up to date on what's going on so it's a it gives them a way to know that their money is going towards what they intended and not to just sort of uh, exist in this in this uh, zone of of not knowing and and crossing their fingers and hoping that something's going to happen so the building that is being done and, and I'll get into how much you've done in, in just a second but the building is being done most often for who that you know in terms of the economic scale sure. uh, of the people that live in that part of the world for for us right now almost all of our clients are west africans living outside of west africa right. uh who 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 have been saving up money to build a home back in their home country right. uh we sell homes ranging in cost in price in user price from $32,000 for a two bedroom one bath uh twin essentially yeah up to uh, $200,000 or more for a very large villa. Right. Most of our sales are happening in the fifty-five dollars to $75,000 range, right. which is a three-bedroom, two-bath villa or a four-bedroom, three-bath, uh, twin row home right. style home. We would love to be doing more work for the middle-income part of the market in, in that sure. part of the world, yeah. the lower-income part of the market in that part of the world. To do that, you really have to have a local government that's committed not only to making land available and 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 supporting foreign investors who want to come in and service that part of the market, right. but also the, you have to have a government that's credibly committed to dealing with the housing finance issue. Because if you can't take – if you can't offer somebody – uh, financing terms over 15, 20, 25, 30 years at, 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 an, at an interest rate that, uh, th- th- that's reasonable, right. uh, 
it, it really doesn't – it almost doesn't matter how inexpensive you make the house. The, 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 the earning power in that part of the world is such that you just you, – you, you, you can't make it work without, without some sort of commitment to financing over the long term. It sounds like, Amit, that, that to a degree from the finance side of things, in many cases, the, the conversations that, that Bob just laid out are, are truly foreign. They don't even occur uh, between financial elements and governments. No, that's exactly right. I mean, I'll point out a few things. So, you know, one I'll mention is that you know we typically are able to finance about seventy percent of the cost. So, the uh, the buyer you know typically comes up with about thirty percent down, and we finance the rest. Um, the other thing, you know, the way the way you know Bob laid out the way it was traditionally done, you know, which is all absolutely correct. One thing I'll point out there is because there you know traditionally wasn't any uh, financing available, these houses that Bob described that are built over five years or ten years or whatever the period of time may be. Um, you can imagine they were built very piecemeal because they were built as sure. and when the uh, the person here had money. So maybe they have you know two thousand dollars this year, three thousand next year. So you get this house you know sort of built piecemeal over time. And essentially, what we're doing is you know from a finance perspective is we're taking these you know, I'll call them best practices from from the U.S. And, and other parts of the world and trying to apply them there. And you're absolutely right; these are, are concepts that uh, you know really just don't exist in in, in country. And so. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, I'll call it education, or, or really just getting people up to speed. Um, you know, certainly on the finance side, but but even, uh, and, and Bob can talk to talk to this, even on the the housing side in terms of expectations of, uh, you know, quality of a home or uh, how quickly it'll be built or you know what the process is to to get the keys to it. You know, all, all those sorts of things. And, um, you know, for me personally, that's one of the things that I find very fascinating here. These things that we sort of take for granted, you know, living in the United States in terms of, oh, I just walk down to Bank of America, I get a mortgage, and, you know, off yeah. I go. Yeah. Um, that, that's not the way it works there. And so in <laughs> some sense, you know, we're having to, uh, you could say reinvent the wheel, but, but it's actually a lot of fun to try and reinvent the wheel in this case. So how realistic do you think is it right now, and maybe, you know, you have a time frame in mind, of being able to have these type of significant conversations with government entities in this part of the world, whether it be nationally, whether it be regionally within a country? How, how realistic is it right now? Uh, it is realistic. We are engaged in discussions with uh, with the government of Guinea and and uh, and and have uh, have looked at the government programs in in some of the other countries in the in the region. Some are further along than others. Yeah. Um, Senegal actually has a housing bank. Um, that has branches in Columbus, Ohio, and New York, and Philadelphia. So, so they they have done some work to be able to reach out to members of the Senegalese diaspora that are that are spread out around the world and 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 create a uh, you know support a f- buyer financing for for some projects there. Yeah. Um, so there are there are some some countries that are that are uh, that are moving uh, in, a, in an encouraging direction. Uh, there are other places where uh, there's a lot of work to be done. The the uh, you know the the problem for people who want to build in that part of the world often starts with land title, because yeah. uh, unlike here where you have this you know you buy a house you get a mortgage there's a little line in there somewhere about your title insurance yeah. and it all just kind of gets absorbed in yeah. and title title insurance is just a a money printing machine yeah. here right because. Yeah. Everybody pays it, and and we and don't know what it's really. And nobody for. ever collects because right. because exactly. there's because you can verify title so easily yeah. here. Uh, in that part of the world, uh, you, we as a builder and, and all builders essentially have to self-insure by doing the legwork and doing the homework. 
it all depends on the local administrative infrastructure. In, yeah. in, in Guinea, it follows the sort of French system of prefecture and sous-prefecture and, 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 and minister-level uh, uh, verification. So we go uh, at the sous-prefecture, which is like the county level, verify that nobody else has a claim to any land before we buy it, do it at the prefecture, which is like the state level, yeah. do it up at the at the national ministry. And then we go around to the community members there to make sure that there's no traditional – land claim from from sort of tribal uh, history that would that would cause a problem with building on this land now there are some governments that are uh, that, that that are taking steps to to protect title claims legitimate title claims in a way that makes it easier for foreign investors to come in and, and do the kind of thing that we're doing right there are other countries that kind of look the other way when when someone has a legitimate title claim. And uh, and a squatter comes in uh, and starts building on it, uh, and, and so that's that's what we look at when we look at expanding is where can we where can we find a government who's really committed to, uh, to supporting legitimate t- title claim, really committed to supporting uh, initiatives for for financing buyers, right. and where there's also some sort of uh, international player who's gonna who's gonna Who's going to help fill in pe- some pieces of the puzzle? And 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 people are doing this. I mean, we've talked to. Um, there's a fund that was set up by the uh, the Dutch uh, development bank uh, that that's set up to be a local currency bond fund that would that would make financing available in different parts of West Africa using sure. local currency. Um, and, and and when you when you have those sort of multilateral uh, development institutions that are that are that are stepping up to to put some financing muscle behind initiatives like that, th- then your options start to open up. But 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 you really have to have all of these pieces of the puzzle fit together from from protecting a legitimate land title to sure. to, to to protecting foreign investors from shakedowns and that kind of stuff. So. Bob Hornsby joining me in studio, chief financial officer for American Home Builders of West Africa. I mean Dylan joining. Joining us on the phone, Managing Director of U.S. Africa Housing Finance. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, send us a comment via Twitter at BizRadio111, B-I-Z-Radio111, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. So as you've started to build these out for people that eventually want to go home and retire there, how much has the build-out of some of these homes maybe started to lay that groundwork for the trust that we talk about so much, and those conversations that you need to have moving down the road, it's it, it, it has it has made a big difference. I mean, we have realized that that getting somebody into a home is is really is what cracks open wide the door to growth for our business because it uh, word of mouth in the West African diaspora community is a really powerful tool. Mm-hmm. And I you know 3 years ago we would call people uh who you know uh, on our lead on our lead list and 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 half of them assumed that we were some kind of scam just because they've well, seen so many people right. scammed. Yeah. Yeah. Now we get inbound calls that 
people are saying, you know, my my sister-in-law bought a house with you or my cousin knows somebody that bought a house with you. Yeah. And it's, you know, where have you been all my life is, yeah, is, right. is basically. Yeah. And, and, and it's and, and that's, the, you know, once people know that this is possible, that there is somebody that you can trust to do it. Uh, there, there's the the floodgates really begin to open up, and then we've seen that over the course of the past year and a half. Just the the sales the sales volume completely took off. I, I would think a meet with with having this type of, of idea and bringing it forward, uh, the economic benefits for the region. Obviously, having these properties there and the build out that you will see in the future uh, gives great hope for the economies of some of these areas moving forward. And at the same time, what could have been with all of this money, as Bob laid out over the last 10 years, 20 years, what could have been the economic benefit for these lands in the past that has been lost because of this? Yeah, no, that, that, that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, we, we haven't really talked about it. Um, you know, obviously, we, we run this as a, as a for-profit business, but there's there's really a, a social impact uh, angle to this as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, which we obviously take very seriously. Um, you know, take you know, U.S. Africa Housing Finance. You know, when I when I talk to uh, investors, you know, here in the U.S. to invest in the fund, you know, I, I lead with the fact that you know it's got a, a very respectable U.S. dollar denominated nine percent return, which you know should be reason enough to to want to invest. But beyond that, um, you know, as you point out, um, you know, we're really helping uh, that that part of the world to you know not only adopt. You know, sort of, I'll call them Western standards in terms of borrowing and so forth. But uh, employment, uh, I don't think Bob's mentioned this, but yeah. you know, all the houses that are built there uh, in uh, in right now in, in Guinea are all done with local labor. Right? So uh, you know, these are independent contractors that are building these these houses, and obviously American Home Builders uh, has got uh, employees on the ground there, you know, who are who are paid. Um, and and then you know, beyond that, as, as we all know, as you start to build. Uh, infrastructure, you're built essentially a subdivision is what, what we're building there. Uh, then you've got businesses that pop up around that. Sure. And so you've got this sort of secondary effect. And and this is, you know, what we believe is, is really, really powerful just in terms of propelling, uh, you know, the business model forward and really getting the local governments to uh, to understand that, hey, you know, we're here to you know, have a profitable business, but at the same time, uh, you know, we're doing something very positive for, for the local community and, and really for the country as a whole. And um, you know, we we started small. We're, we're still just in one country, but we can really see that expanding very rapidly to to neighboring countries and you know, taking the finance aspect and the building aspect and you know really moving them forward. As you have talked to uh, potential investors in this fund moving forward, have they also at at first had a reaction of of, of either concern or? wanting to just, you know, get a fuller understanding of what's going on, kind of what, like, Bob laid out in terms of the concerns of people in that part of the world with, you know, so much, you know, faulty and shady business occurring. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I tend to get um, sort of w- one of two reactions, and this, you know, probably a, a little bit too discreet, but, but <laughs> you'll get people that the moment I mention the word Africa, and this is somehow related to Africa, they just sort of shut down and say, no, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Right. Um, and, and then you'll get folks, you know, tend to be the more adventurous ones, which I think you probably throw Bob and myself into into that uh, category, who look at this and go, hmm, that's interesting. Let, let me understand a little bit more about that. Yeah. What I've found is if you get somebody to, to spend, you know, 15, 20 minutes with me and, and you know, let me lay out sort of what uh, this investment is all about and how we're going about financing these houses and the underwriting criteria and so forth that we're using, um, 
then people, you know, their eyes start to, to open up and they go, wow, okay, this sure. is actually quite interesting. And, yep. uh, you know, you get, you know, the standard questions, hey, is, you know, are there currency risks? No, it's actually all dollar denominated. You know, you sort of tick through all the, the standard things that an investor, investor would start to look at from a, um, a risk perspective. And uh, people quickly come to the realization that, wow, this isn't anywhere near as risky as, as we thought because, you know, we, we've been very careful in terms write these loans, right? As I yeah. mentioned earlier, we require a 30% down. Right, exactly. So yep. Think to yourself, if you put 30% down on something, you're not going to default right. very easily. Right. You know, I mean, you're, you're going to really be careful. I mean, thanks very much for joining the show. Greatly appreciate your time. Bob, thanks for coming on as well. Thanks Look for having to talking me. to you again. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 